She's April. And she's Molly. And we are the Book Besties. The TikTok video was about why we have hair in our butt crack. And they were doing absinthe, and there was a lot of weird shit going on back then. And, and, hang, and hang out in clear water, if you know what I mean. It could be genre fluid. Everyone needs an emotional support, Johnny Depp. If you're a vampire and you're pregnant, clap your hands. Little penguins dancing around. Mail call, mail call! Hey, hey look at you all dolled up. Fancy new hair? Yeah, that new I, lip color. Yeah, I went to um, the salon today. Shout out to my girl Courtney. She is bomb, and um, I got my hair done. Nice. And um, then I went to Ulta and spent way too much money on on makeup. I love um, makeup shopping. I just don't like paying for it because yeah, it costs an arm and a leg a always. lot. Um, but I got new like eyeshadow and I got new lips and. Nice. I don't know. It's fun. I'm due for a hair color. My roots are like. Yeah. I mean, your hair's looking like more gray than purple, but like I dig it. Like if you did like that silver look, you know, that's like in now to like be a silver lady. I think you'd rock it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going with green next. You like your green. You've done green. I mean, it's my, it's my aura, right? I am a green person. Oh, I'm, I, I like my blue hair. Um, I, I every time I get it, it makes me feel happy. But I just am I, not in a blue place right now. <laughs> so I like red on you. Red looks great. Yes, I just tell Courtney I would like April Kepner red. <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid example. But yeah. she has like different variations of red, right? Kepner goes yeah. from like uh, orange, yeah, but I, to, like, I, I, I fire truck. Yeah, I tend to pick her like orangey or one. But Sarah Drew doesn't actually have red hair. She has, like, brown, mousy hair. Like, my natural hair color is very similar to hers. It's, like, you know, like a light, lighter brown, darker blonde color. Um, That was, I used to, that was my hair color for a long time, and I used to call it dishwater brown. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so this is my, I call this my natural red color. (laughs) I mean, it looks natural on you, so. Yeah. It's a W. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This week... I got in with another neurosurgeon. Yeah, how'd that go? Well, the first one told me I had a perfectly healthy back and I was overreacting. But you just got an MRI that said that was not the case. Yeah. Did yep. he see the MRI? Yeah. Yeah. And he thought that was normal? And um, I'm kind of glad he's not doing my surgery. And when I went to the chiropractor. Clearly he doesn't think you need it. And when I went to the chiropractor the next day and I was talking to, because our chiropractor office has two doctors, Dr. Long and Dr. Duffer. I love Mm -hmm. them very dearly. They are lifesavers for me. But I'm explaining this to Dr. Long, who's the chiropractor that works on me. And Dr. Duffer overhears from her station, walks over and goes, that MRI, the MRI you just got. The, the one with all yeah. the things. He right. says is healthy. And I go, yeah. Right. And he go, she goes, hmm. Not referring him out again. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. In- immediately deletes from list. Like, right. Like. Not yeah. good. Control, alt, delete. Right. Like, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. My gosh. We got, oh, we got that going. Uh, Matt tore up all the carpet in the front room because they're coming to do, to turn that into like an enclosed space. And yeah, now the what- whole. 
What kind of flooring are you getting in there? He got wood. He got like wood looking flooring. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like not wood, but it is wood, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But it echoes right now because it's cement. So like yeah. the whole downstairs, you can hear everything. It's obnoxious. Yeah, yeah. I bet. <laughs> oh, yeah. so spooky season. Yeah, so October. This is our first October episode. So you got I wore your- my Rocky Horror shirt just for the occasion. And I wore, wore my fun, gothy lips. So. Blood red. Yeah. Blood red. Like it. So yeah. um, so for the month of October, besties, we're going to be covering four books. Four books. Um, Frankenstein, mm-hmm. Mexican Gothic, The Graveyard Book, and The Bone Garden. Yeah. Now, as we go through these books, we're going to talk about what spooky is, what horror is and Mm -hmm. how we define it and how we um feel the genre you know is branching out yeah and give you our opinions um so we're starting this week with frankenstein yeah frankenstein (laughs) i i gotta tell you i love you i mean okay so i mean if it probably is no surprise to any of our listeners that horror is not my genre. Like, um, as emotastic as I am in purple and shades of gray, like, I am not, like, I don't like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I was really, like, you know, I, I feel like it's fine that we're doing this for October because it fits, you know, the theme of the month. Yeah. Oddly, Halloween is, like, one of my favorite holidays because but I you don't like the being colors. Scared. I don't like being scared, but like I'm a scrapbooker, which again, right. no surprise there. And the colors for scrapbook paper like are just so on point. They're like my favorite things to scrapbook because I love the the paper and the colors. But like I don't want to be scared. The words world's scary enough. Like I don't right. need to add to it. <laughs> well, so um I will say Frankenstein's not one of my favorite books. Yeah. But I do like the horror thriller genre. And Mary Shelley, which we're going to get into Mary Shelley, but Mary Shelley's like the k- basis for this all, right? Like yeah. she is like the godmother of this shit. So I figured yeah. us having a conversation about this is like a nice start to right the, the genre. And I mean, in Mary Shelley's time, which I know you said we'll talk more about her, but in Mary Shelley's time, she was the only woman writing gothic literature. Right. So... Um, I think if you want to talk about, you know, the pinnacle of gothic literature, you have to start with right. with Frankenstein, even though it's not my favorite. I, I don't. Oh. Anybody um, that says it's their favorite's a liar. Uh, should we, uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but we sort of received a present from our friend Katie. Oh, yeah. Should we Let's, introduce uh, them? Yeah. So our friend Katie, Nurse Katie, gave us each bells. Un- <laughs> Tom's gonna love that. So he's so mad Katie. already. Thank you, Katie, for the gift. Um, so this is now our official way of counting April's gripes. <laughs> so Frankenstein as a whole is getting a. <laughs> it's just a continuous one. Yeah, like just the whole episode. <laughs> um, okay. I, I I also forgot. Um, I didn't say this earlier, but I finished the sixth Harry Potter book this week as well <laughs> and so, she's taking a break gang she's I'm done she's a break from harry, harry potter out of here so that i can focus on the spooky reads and then i'll read book seven i'll read book seven <laughs> 
to that. <laughs> um, all right, all right, sorry. So, so Frankenstein. Frankenstein. So when most people hear the word Frankenstein, they automatically picture classic horror film. Or oh, yeah, absolutely. Gene Wilder in Young Frankenstein. Right, yeah. This book is the basis for all this, right? But uh, Yeah. But those stories are way off base compared oh, to the traditional story. So absolutely. let's get into the synopsis and um, you can help me fill in. Sure. So Frankenstein is about a scientist, Victor Frankenstein, creating a creature from dead parts. However, mm-hmm. it doesn't turn out like he hopes when it becomes alive. It frightens Victor and he runs away, leaving the creature to fend for him slash itself. Yeah. This makes the creature mad and or mad, and he seeks revenge, killing slowly everyone Victor knows and loves. This story is told via letters and first-person point of view. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say first-person. Um, well, yes, you're right. It is first-person. But, like, a good majority of this book is, um, like, Frankenstein's monster just talking <laughs> Right? <laughs> monologuing. It's like literally three chapters of a monologue. And then it's like, oh, just so you can remember that he's talking to Victor Frankenstein. Victor Frankenstein interjects a, okay. Like, <laughs> gosh. Okay. So a few main characters. Um, we've talked about Victor Frankenstein, which my book spells it with a C. But mm-hmm. the book, when I read it for college, it was spelled with a K. Yeah, so, mine was with a K. So... It depends on the novel you're reading and the yeah. creation. Yeah. Um, we have the monster, Robert Walton, which we're going to get to him. Oh, my gosh. Frankenstein, the, the Frankenstein, uh, Victor's family, uh-huh. Elizabeth, and then Henry, who mm-hmm. is Victor's best friend. Yeah, that's um, what I'm going to call him. All right, so... Um, I think they're a little bit like Lupin and serious. Seriously. Um, so let's... You know what? Since we're mentioning that, let's start there first, okay? okay. If um, if you Google Frankenstein and sexuality, so many different points of views mm-hmm. come up and explanations. And do you think this book, one, has sexual overtones? And some even say that this book is like the first LGBTQ novel that... This is, so what is your thoughts on that? All right. So the first time that I read this book, I was a sophomore in college. Okay. Um, and my professor, Dr. Pia Lipinski, call me Pia. That's literally what she said the first day of school. <laughs> um, it was Britlet and we did this class and I just have to describe Pia before I fully answer this question to you. Um, she always wore very form-fitting tops with, that were low-cut and skirts that were, like, slit up the side. She always was very sexy dressed, like, sexually dressed. Um, and she was a woman probably in her mid-40s, early 50s. Good for her, man. I mean, she was rocking it. She she was beautiful. I mean, gorgeous. Um, she's from England, and she's Indian. Um, and just beautiful skin, and, I mean, just gorgeous. But, um when she started talking about this book being sexy, I was like, what? <laughs> like, it's a grotesque monster. Like, it's so ugly that he's afraid of it. Like, what? 
what? And then when I read it this time, I was like, oh, but like Henry for sure went up on Victor. Like, right. They, they're for sure they're, like, they're, there's they're, for sure something going on there. There's a relationship there. Or, or Victor would have married Elizabeth a long time ago. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think when you're talking about um, critiquing literature, you can mm-hmm. critique literature through any filter lens. that you yeah. right lens or filter that you particularly partake in. So if you are a literary critique critic, a literary critic, and your filter is feminism, then you're going to evaluate each book based on feminism, right? I think there are a lot more critics today that are LGBTQ critics. And so I think that's probably why there's such a huge rise in this. And I don't even think that, I don't think it was intentional. Like, I don't think Mary Shelley wrote them to be like that, to be like that relationship. I see that now just because like, I feel like we're so, as a culture, we're inundated with it it. more. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that that was the intention then. I, I, I think we're quicker now to be like, oh, that relationship was something more, but they were friends. And you have to think about like the time in which she was writing, um, the way that the the romantic language, like it was literally the romantic period. Right. So, so using that language, that was cultural. That was right. a part of them. So do you think that it was actually written to be the first like LGBTQ? No, I don't think so. I don't think so at all. Um, I think that um, we can evaluate it like that now, but I don't think that that was right. the intention. Um, do I think it's romantic? Absolutely not. Like, there's nothing. There's nothing romantic about I, this book to me. Like, I, even when he gets married and he's like in love with this cousin person, I'm still like, this is cousin not romantic. Person. Yeah, Bro, say cousin person. Well, um, well like he, it's his cousin, but it's also like his sister because his parents. It's like whatever. It's I don't weird. know. So, um, I read this fully for the first time for college, but it mm-hmm. was a writing course. Mm-hmm. And, um, I had a writing professor. I couldn't, I couldn't remember his name now for the life of me, but he shared this article and I will put it in the notes, Monstrous Desires, Frankenstein and the Queer Gothic. Mm-hmm. And it, I read this whole thing and it talks about how Mary Shelley was insinuating something that she was seeing. Mm-hmm. Right? It was romantic because she was seeing this style of romantic relationships. Well, and it I goes mean, into I, all that and I, I could I can think I think that could probably I mean, you might be right on that because um we're talking about a time in which people were not allowed to be out, right? Right. So there was a lot of really there were a lot of relationships that were happening, you know, out like the, on the down low, I hate that term, but like they were right. happening in, in the closet and yeah. they were in the closet. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, um, I don't know. She was uh, hanging it, out with a lot of men too. Right. Was, and, and like know, weird so. men because there were a lot of writers and they were doing absence yes. and there was a lot of weird shit going on back then. So since we're talking about Mary, let's go into yeah. our next question. All right. Is she the, so this has been interpreted, this book has been put in the romantic era mm-hmm. writing, it's been put in sci-fi, it's been put in horror. Mm-hmm. Do you, she has been called, Mary Shelley has been called the godmother of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is accurate? Do you think she's the godmother of horror? What What do you think? I mean, I tend to think of this as gothic romance, um, and that does kind of cross a lot of those boundaries and barriers. Um, And I mean, it's like with sci-fi today, 
a lot of people put dystopian books in sci-fi and I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Dystopia right. is really its own genre. Um, but so I think that you can, uh, you could be genre fluid. <laughs> I um, love that. I'm genre fluid. <laughs> I'm genre fluid. Um, and I think that that's what this book is. Um, but I do think um, when anyone is talking about classic horror um, yeah. You have to give props to her. Right. She wrote this book kind of on a dare slash right. bet from her husband. Um, she wrote it like in a night, right? Isn't that the right. story? Um, right. Was it was out- it was a bet. They were in like tra- like they were in Transylvania somewhere shit. And like they kind of like she was surrounded by other writers. Yeah. And they were all men. And her mom was a writer and her dad was a writer. Yeah. Like. I mean, and she and Percy Shelley had a weird relationship anyway. Like, they would rendezvous at, like, graveyards. Like, right. I mean, stuff was weird. So- stuff was really weird. Which I, um, I'm going to link to videos. Uh, it's from Crash Course with John Green talking about Mary Woo-hoo! Shelley and her life. John and Green. let me tell you what. This bitch is weird. <laughs> yes. And well, her I mean, life was fucking weird. Well, I mean, the all of the authors from the, the like, British romantic period were weird. Like, uh, I just blanked on his name. I almost said Blake Shelton. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know what? Blake Shelton's done for many of things, but he's really underrated in the horror section. His novels are fantastic. William Blake is who I was thinking of. (laughs) Um, William Blake is probably one of my favorite poets. And like the shit he wrote was really weird too. So everybody like, uh, thinks about the lion and the lamb poems and they're like oh this is so yeah, much absinthe <laughs> right and there's so much christian symbolism here but actually for dr lipinski's class mm-hmm. i did a research paper on william blake's religious beliefs and everyone wants to compare the lion and the lamb and all of his other pieces to being um christian symbols and actually that he was not a christian he believed some really bizarre like, honestly, it seemed like he was going to go take a bunch of people out on a boat and they were all going to come back in khaki pants and, like, button up shirts. And drink the Kool-Aid. And, and, hang, and hang out in clear water. <laughs> if you know what I mean. It's um, just, so, yeah, um, they were all weird. They were all weird. It's all weird. And, you know, and it, and it's a product of the time and, you know. and But, I mean, writers are weird. Like, Molly, you know this as a writer. Like, I'm not saying that you're weird, but, like... I am weird. That's a lie. Like, you've met Dr. Harkness. Would you say she's a little weird? I think it's a chaotic... It's a creative weird. Like, yes. But I have still a little weird. It's... I have no idea how her brain works. Like, the whole reason... So, the reason she... Literally, she will say this over and over again. The reason she wrote these books is because she w- couldn't find answers in real life. Right. And so she was so well, mad with the fact that she couldn't figure out who Matthew Claremont was, she had to make him up. Well, and I mean, Stephanie Meyer did that too, right? She had a dream of two people standing in this meadow, and, like, the dream was that he wanted to kill this person, but he also loved her. Um, and and then we got Twilight. So, I mean... I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean I've had those dreams. I wrote an 80K book on it. A massive timeline hole, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I mean, I mean, even John Green, who I love and admire, um, he's a little weird. Like he's a weird guy. <laughs> I don't. I said I sent you the TikTok with 
uh, Hank the other day. Oh my gosh. Which, first of all, <laughs> what the hell, Molly? <laughs> I, I was more using it to explain that I am not the only person that chaotically talks like this, right? There is, is a sense of organized chaos in his conversations. Listen, that is this, me. <laughs> this TikTok video, for all of you listening, the TikTok video was about why we have hair in our butt crack. And Hank Green wanted to scientifically explain this. And he kept saying, but I'm not comfortable with that answer. And then he would, like, go to a different Don't answer. Don't kink shame the birds! <laughs> like, one of his answers was possibly so we smell more appealing. And I'm like, and all I could think of was, like, dogs smelling each other's butts. And I'm like, what? What? This is... Anyways, back to Frankenstein! <laughs> it's weird. Um... um I mean, have you ever seen an interview with Stephen King? So we're not doing a yeah. Stephen King book this month, but have you no, seen an um, with him? I have. I've and I've read his book on writing, which love. I love well, Stephen King, writer only, as a writer and as a human being. He only writes things that are classified as horror. Though I have read two books by him, and I wouldn't say that either one is horror. Um, but he's weird. Like, yeah. he's a weird guy. I, I feel like you have to have invisible friends to understand how to write fully. I don't want to be his meet his invisible friends, because they sound like they're going to murder somebody. I mean, they walk around with red balloons. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good thing. Not good. No. Mm-mm. Writers are weird. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, um, Mary Shelley doesn't name the monster. Right. Do you think this has some sort of deeper meaning, or do you think it's just lazy writing? Oh, I don't think it's lazy writing at all. I think that was absolutely strategic, because names mean things. Right. And this is one of the things, so we're back to school now. So I have students, because I'm at, I'm at a new school, and I have my students, and one of the first thing, first day of things, activities you have to do is, like, you know, you got to get to know your students. First of all, you got to take attendance to figure out who they are. Right. And one of the things I always tell them when I say their name, before I say everyone's name is, if I mispronounce your name, can you please tell me the correct way to say it? It's your name. It has meaning. And I value that. And I value you as a person. And so I absolutely want to say your name correctly. And I have a few right. students who be like, it's fine. You can just say it however you want. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's your name. It has meaning. It has power. That was a strategic move on her point, on her part. If she doesn't name him, he doesn't have the same power. Right. He's not, he's not an important figure. Interestingly enough, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, no, go ahead. Interestingly enough, when people think of Frankenstein, it's not Victor. No, they instantly think, and they think the monster is Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Right. Which, um... Which, right, name has meaning, right? Mm-hmm. But for somebody to be so... Mary Shelley made him one of the lead characters, right? Mm-hmm. This monster he is sure does this, talk a lot. He does talk a lot. And he's been through a lot of shit. <laughs> There's a point. <laughs> <laughs> he, and he, he, you know, and he has so much to say. And he has, like, did we really need his reading list? Did we really need his reading list in this? No. Like, I mean, no. they were important books. Don't get me wrong. But we didn't and, need any of his monologues. And him being, like, <laughs> creepy watching the family and yeah. reading these books. And I I just feel like 
for him to not have a name and to give us this whole story is a contradiction mm-hmm. on Mary Shelley's part. I... She's making him super relevant in the book mm-hmm. without giving him the relevance of even having a name. But don't you think that that's important that she did that? So it's confusing is, and I don't like it. He, he is. <laughs> he is essentially the main character. He right. has more dialogue than Victor Frankenstein does. Um, the story is really about him. It's really about how he is causing this, this harm to Victor. Right. Because he's mad that he's created basically. But without giving him the name, we've seen him go from somebody who was grotesque and just all these different body parts and couldn't speak or really process language to being this very articulate right. um, person. And so it's the evolution of, Vic, of Frankenstein's monster, and he still remains without a name. Like, he's clearly more human at this point than he is monster, and he still remains less than. So what he was actually asking for when he was asking for a partner was to be considered an equal as a human. Right. Like, if you won't consider me equal, then you make me somebody who is like me so I can have an equal. Right. And I feel like if this was written in a more modern time, I think, one, it would be less confusing. But two, we yeah, could assume... Hard. We could assume, based off of Mary Shelley's life and what we're observing as mm-hmm. outsiders, mm-hmm. what this was a metaphor for. But being mm-hmm. we only have the histrionics of Mary Shelley and her life, we can only assume so much about her purpose in not naming this monster. Yeah. Which, it feels, there's almost a sense of hate to it, right? Like, yeah. he's got a person, like, I, I'm assuming here because that's what I do. That she is putting personality traits and things of a person that was in her life into this role. And I, mean, maybe I don't know. She is insinuating that this person is a monster. Hell, it may be her fucking husband. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I just think Victor made a choice not to name him. Like, he, the monster could have named himself. Well, and, and, and instead he didn't adopt anything because, I mean, if he, if Victor cared about the monster at all, he would have named him. We name our pets. Right. I love my dog. I gave her a name. I, I love my kids. I gave she, them names. And right around this time, right before this all happened, she wrote this, she did have a stillborn child that they never named. Maybe it's a metaphor mm. for the loss of the child. You know? what? That's interesting. Yeah, I don't I, know. I, 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 I don't do know. find it really interesting, and I'm going to give this a... I find it really interesting that people have literally spent their entire career studying and critiquing this one book. Like, this legitly is a career for some people. How are you making money? Well, they're professors, you know. But And then they can go and, like, talk about it at conferences and stuff like that. But, like, why this book? Because to me, I I understand it's, like, you know, it's a classic or whatever. But to me, I just don't think it's that great. But I don't get it. I think it's more about the fascination with Mary Shelley than it Mm -hmm. is her writing. One, this is a book from, like, from a one night. One drunken Mm -hmm. night and a bet. Where it's more a fascination with the fact that a woman of this time could write something so profound and be so, I don't know, real. And it's she had a weird-ass life, she had a weird-ass husband, she had a weird-ass parents. Like, 
her life was crazy. So yeah. maybe it's more of a fascination with Mary Shelley than the book. I don't know. It's weird. You don't know say. Man. It's a weird book. Um, so my next question. Is this a conversation? Is this book more of a con- like a conversation about God in life? Is victory metaphor for God in us humans or the monsters? Um, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily God and, and humans. I do think it's an, a critique on creating, but I don't necessarily think that that is the creation of like humans. Um, you could make it a critique on art. I mean, how many right. times have you written something that you're like, no, nah, it's terrible. Oh, it's not gonna a lot. I have a whole folder of trash. And do you ever feel like, I mean, we just, you just talked about one of your stories has a plot, a time hole, a timeline pothole, right? Yeah. That thing is haunting you much like the monster is haunting Victor. So, so I don't know that it's like, yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily a metaphor for like God and humans, but I definitely think it's a metaphor for creators and their creations. Okay. That makes sense. Um, do you think this book is about ethics and science? I think that they, you can make that argument now. I don't think that would have been an argument then. I don't think it would have been valid then. I mean, they no. weren't they weren't doing the things we're doing now. Can it right. be helped? And, and a lot of science that they were doing then was like, hey, let's poke this with a stick and see what happens. Right. <laughs> right. So um, I'm going to, just before my next question... Is Walton Walton important to the storyline? Do you think he is relevant at all? No. Could this have been in third person? We just follow his storyline. I mean, it's so dumb. How would you have... Give give me your opinion on this. So for those of you that, you know, haven't read the book or haven't read it in a while, um, he is the sea captain. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's the captain of the boat. Yeah. In the Arctic. Right. Victor, like, is taken aboard and, and dies there. But, right, but they um, see them chasing on the bobsleds before right. then, and it's they find thing. him in the water, and it's right. weird. It's the whole thing. I don't think that was at all relevant. Um, and I, I almost think, like, what happened was um, she needed an editor. Like, she wrote this story tonight, and she started with this idea of, I'm going to tell the story through letters of this guy right. to his sister. And then she was like, nah, nah, nah I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to tell <laughs> it in a super long monologue of the monster. And, and then she was like, Oh, but I already started this. So we'll just tack on some letters at the end. It'll be fine. No one will. It'll be fine. <laughs> I just, it's nonsense. I, I have, well, it's nonsense, right? Like who's he writing? He said his cousin. That his doesn't sister. make sense. His sister. his sister, I think. But then we're like, I feel like there are so many like sub B level characters in this that are mm-hmm. talked about that we don't really get to know. And yeah. so it's hard to track and follow who oh, we're yeah. talking to. When he's talking about his sister, I thought he was talking about Elizabeth. Not Elizabeth. No, right. it's. It's yeah, just, it, it's, it's, it's really, confusing and unnecessary. Yeah, it's very unnecessary. And um, also, I just want to know. How are you out to sea and you somehow think you're going to get these letters to your sister? <laughs> like, like, I don't. Carrier pigeons. <laughs> so 
I mean, I understand when you're in the military that there are like mail runs that are like really delayed, but that's not what was going on these days. They were exploring. They were in the Arctic. Right. So it would have just been easier to do them as a journal. Like, why is he writing to his sister? Like, what the hell? Dude. You're not going to mail those. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's just his way of journaling. Maybe this walrus will take it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Pardon me, Mr. Seal. Are you heading north? (laughs) Little penguins dancing around. Mail call, mail call. (laughs) What is happening? Okay, so since we're talking about weird-ass plotline bullcrap, the whole monologue of Franken the monster sorry not three Franken, the fucking chapters let's talk about this for a second um and then let's talk about victor creating a monster for him and then killing the monster in front of him like it, 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 it's confusing and i i don't like it <laughs> <laughs> so basically what happened was that he was trying to create for a while like, he right. was trying all these different things, and he, what he started with was he noticed that, like, electricity caused movements in, in dead tissue, um, which we'd have to probably, like, ask our friend Nurse Katie, Nurse Practitioner Katie. Hey, but leave my, it in the comments. Tell us. We'll get the answers to the people. You know she'll just text us. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I would imagine that... If you stimulated muscle with electricity, right. even if that was dead tissue, that it would pulse because that's what happens to muscle and Muscles, tendons. right. Right. So that's what he discovered, that you could do that. Um, and then he saw, he decided, wow, that was really cool. Let me build an entire human and stimulate it with electricity. Right. And he, and he failed the first time, right? So he failed the first time. Then when he did it the second time, he was like, oh, I did this thing. Oh, it's really ugly. I'm just going to go into massive depression and hope it disappears. And run away. He ran away from, like, I've run away from my creations. They just can't follow me. Like, But he, I thought the, okay, maybe I misread this, but I thought that the creature ran away and he stayed. Well, and no, then, Victor got scared and hid, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. bolted. Right. So he was hiding, not running, but there was what, there was a lot I of find, fear going on. What I find to be kind of like the most unbelievable of this story is that like he randomly ran into Victor's little brother and was like, oh, so you're related to that guy? Well, now I'm going to kill you. Uh, yeah, like, like, <laughs> how do you just like run, randomly run into him? I was like, first of all, how did he get from that place to that place? How did which, he find it? Which then he freaking told us like so many plot line issues right like this is this is why i'm like i didn't understand why people liked this the first time and i don't the second time and also i learned something about myself from reading this book after you are no longer an english major and reading literature like i don't read classic literature Mm -hmm. very often unless you make me and um i which i I have forgotten how difficult it is to read right Old, old English. English. <laughs> old English makes your brain hurt. Like, I feel like I could still read Shakespeare and be fine because I've always been a really big fan of Shakespeare and I um, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but this was like a struggle. It was like, I was on the struggle bus big time. I was like, yeah. what am I reading? Yeah. What it is. Reading? It is a rough read. Right. So um, this book has influenced 
so many movies. Lots of things, yeah. Um, Rocky Horror, like mm-hmm. the musical. Right. We have um, Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, Victor, Frankenstein's like, Bride. Frankenstein's Bride. Like, I'm sure there's a playlist on IMDb of these. I mean, you've also got, like, the, um, what was it called? The Mumfords, or not Mumfords, the, the whatever. Gosh, I don't know. I'll put the link below. That classic show that was like black and white. It was like the Adams Family, but it wasn't the Ad- Monsters. The Monsters. The Monsters. But I mean, he, he was, was Frankenstein. Yeah, well, he was he the was, monster. Right. Yeah. But okay. Right. So, what is our what is with pop culture's obsession with this? Obviously, nobody likes this book. Like, well, and if they say they like it, they're a liar. Um, why do are we obsessed with this? Storyline. I, I think it has to and do altering with, it. Yeah, I think it has to do with the creation and creator idea. Like, if Hollywood is create, you know, Hollywood is both the creator and the creation of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's that. But I do think that people consider the story to be romantic. I don't see that. But I don't find romance um, in it at all. But what, one of the things we talked about in Brit Lit, which I found to be really interesting, was how we have made the creature beautiful. Right. Um, and that to, in order to fit that mold that we have of something being desirable. And I think it's interesting because if I think, honestly, if the creature or the monster or whatever you want to call him, the creation, were not so grotesque, I don't think Victor would have admonished him so much. Like, I don't think he would have hated him. I think if he would have made something of beauty, that he would have accepted him and been happy about that. Right. So the fact that we, that Hollywood or culturally, he's become this, like, icon, and we've made Frankenstein's monster. Right. We've made Frankenstein's monster to be, like, a, like, a sex symbol, for lack of a better term. Well, and he's a staple, right? When you talk right. about classic horror, you right. go Wolfman, Frankenstein's monster, vampires, right? Like the thing right. from the Black Lagoon. And, and all those people that you, maybe not the thing from the Black Lagoon, but all the other ones that you mentioned, we've made them attractive. Right. Like Dracula is sexy. Like he's a sexy vampire, right? Which he will definitely drink your blood and kill you and not think twice about it. Because he's based off Vlad the Impaler, who was a monster. And apparently, because you have to do this in all vampire stories, he'll figure out how to impregnate somebody. (laughs) Still one of my biggest pet peeves. If yes, you're a vampire uh, and you're pregnant, clap your hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh I just, oh, I don't know. I feel, I feel like um, it started with Frankenstein, the original mm-hmm. movie, the classic horror. Right. They transformed. He's alive. Right. There's an Igor. There's like an assistant. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And it just... It changes, and it changes, mm-hmm. and it keeps morphing, it keeps changing. I will be interested to see, in the 2020s and beyond, how this storyline has changed again. Because it'll, yeah. it's going to come back. It always I mean, there, there are kids' things, too, like Frankenweenie is the thing, right? Right, right, right. So. That was Claymation? Yeah. Um, that was, uh, who did that? The same guy that did... Um, Tim Burton? Thank you. Thank you. Tim Burton did that. Was it Tim Burton? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. He does all that weird, gothy shit. He sure does. Um, So, 
He sure does, which is a whole other conversation. All the weird gothy shit, including Helena Bonham Carter. (laughs) Which also, BT Dub, he will not really do a film without Johnny Depp. I know. Like it's his emo- it's like his emotional support blanket or something. <laughs> Everyone needs an emotional support, Johnny Depp. <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I um I think it's really interesting because you mentioned like the way that the movie had like Igor and things like that. When I was rereading the book, I was like, where's that Igor guy? Like, it's I, not in there. Like, because, I was trying to find it. Cause... Because our brain tries to adapt what, we re- what we've seen on film, right? Yeah. And transplant it in, like, we've, I don't know how many times I've seen the classic horror film, Frankenstein. I don't know that I've ever seen all of it, but, like, clips, you know. I've, like, okay, so the basis of that is, like, doctor makes the monster, the monster mm-hmm. runs away, the villagers hunt him down. He with makes like there's and, right pitchforks the whole thing, and like there's a scene with which I'll put in the comments because it's all over YouTube. There's a scene where the monster runs across this little girl in a field and he gives her a flower. It's very, it's very like it's talked about in film, like film history 101. It is like a big scene that they talk about all the time, mm-hmm. and he gives her this flower, and it's like this whole thing of symbolism, and then he accidentally kills a girl, and like, that's when like, the whole shit show starts. Mm-hmm. It is so detached, minus the fact that it's a monster being created by a doctor, it is so detached from this original storyline that I can't even see straight, and I don't know how, other than name and... right. Thought process, how we get from A to B sometimes. And I think more people know the horror film story, even if they've not seen it, more than they know the actual original writing, even if they haven't. Like, I I mean, I've read it, and I still was like, hey, where's that Igor guy? (laughs) Like, I had, uh, when we covered this for for school, (laughs) I had a teacher say she's had several people Turn in full four-page papers written about the film, mm-hmm. thinking they are covering the book and having no idea because they didn't read the book that they there, were covering nonsense. There are not a lot of times that I would say it's worth seeing the film and not reading the book. This might be one of those times. <laughs> <laughs> Go watch the Gene Wilder one. He's hilarious. And I know I'm going to make a lot of people angry for saying this, but I also feel that way about Harry Potter. Oi! I know, those fighting words, because... Well, it's um, useless to you. It's rubbish. Yeah. There's a lot of useless information in Harry Potter, and they would dwindle it down to those two-hour movies. And I'm sure fans of the movies were real pissed, but I was like, good. This is the whole point. This is the actual story right here. I think the only... Like, there's a few things that really get under my skin when it comes to Harry Potter, and... The major one is Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. And in Goblet of Fire, there is the scene after Harry's name is pulled right from the goblet. And Dumbledore says calmly, Harry, did you put your name in the goblet? Mm-hmm. In the film. Have you seen the film? Mm-hmm. In the film, Dumbledore storms in like an angry yeah. and shaking him. And it's like, bro, you had one direction. Right. Right. Why are why are we overreacting here? Right. Anyways, 
back to Frankenstein. We're not, we are covering Harry Potter in December for those of you who are anxiously waiting to hear April's opinion. Two episodes. Two episodes. You can ask us for more if you want. We've been asked to do at least two. I'm still trying to figure out how to break it up. If you have ideas for me, put it in the comments or message, email us. Send me an email. I'll be more than happy to take your suggestions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bookbestiespod at gmail.com. Email us. I I really don't want to do more than two episodes, but... You she know, loves you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Here, let me just do a couple rings for you now. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to our fans in Portugal and Korea. Apparently, we're really big there. So, <laughs> so um, let's wrap up. So, is Frankenstein horror? Bottom line. Is um, it, does it belong in spooky season? In the context of when it was written, absolutely it is horror. What about now? In the context of now, I forgot it was horror. <laughs> I, I went to I, Barnes and Noble and I was like looking in the classic lit section and was like, there's no Frankenstein. So I went to the guy and I was like, hey guy, where is Frankenstein? He's like, it's over here in horror. And I was like, oh, that's right. It is horror. So <laughs> Forgot. <laughs> shit no I, I do not this film this book does not scare me and Mm-mm. when i classify a book as spooky i want mm-hmm. some sort of terror yeah. like woman in cabin 10 i couldn't finish that audiobook because it was too realistic and it was giving me nightmares so i don't never would no can't nope nope yep so, Listen, I read like the first eight books in the in the Pretty Little Liars series, and I was like, "Freak the fuck out!" <laughs> Are those even... horror? I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess they're probably like more thrillery, but like, I was not the kid that was like going through all the R.L. Stein books. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, I not, blew through those. That was not for me. That was not I for me. Blew through those bitches. No. No, absolutely My not. My dyslexic ass was staying up at night trying to read them. No, absolutely like, not. No, I was reading, you know, books with, like, Charlotte's Web. <laughs> I read that, too. No, Arl Stein was just my jam. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> she says hard pass. No. Well, me. that's it I mean, for Frankenstein, well, gang. Well, well, I want to know, do you think it's horror? I think it's classic horror. Yeah. I think it has a time and a place. Yeah. I think it fits more in the sci-fi genre. I will say I would rather, I feel more comfortable labeling this book as sci-fi. I mean, I can see that because I get much more comfortable putting this in the science fiction genre Mm -hmm. than I do horror. I do not think there is any, there's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of murder. The Mm -hmm. monster is terrible. He kills all the people's. Right. But I feel like there's a lot of murder in sci-fi too though. I mean, it's right. like I feel like this is more um science fiction, bottom line. I, I think mean, creating I, a human out of dead flesh and then yeah. bringing it back to life via electronics just feels That's Darth Vader. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, we do it now. Like, somebody's heart stops. We zap yeah. them with a pop, electricity yeah. and they come back. Right. That sounds like fucking science fiction to me. I mean, yeah, it does. I'm thankful we can do those things, but... Um, <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I agree. I just feel like it's... 
It's more science fiction. I would yeah, never I, call this horror. I'm I'm with you on that. I, I can it, I can be on board with science fiction. Um, for it. and I mean honestly, this is its own genre when it mm-hmm. comes to the romance times, the mm-hmm. romantic times. Like the, those books all kind of belong together in the same corner of the library and just leave them there. Yeah, They're weird that gothic and, romance. Yeah. yeah, read them for school and then put them back. Like, like I think even. If you want to talk about, like, the dark, twisty kids when you're in high school where you, yeah. like, you know. I read Poe when it was dark and twisty. Right. Not like. like yeah. That's exactly what this. I was going to say. Dark and twisty people in high school are reading Poe and maybe Shakespeare, but they're not. That's exactly what I was going to say next. They're not, they're not like, reading Frankenstein. And if you are, um, I I don't know how to feel about that because that's a, it's weird. But, like, I didn't well, mention this, that, but. It's, like, it's hard read. Yeah, I didn't mention this, but uh, Tom's aunt, my husband's aunt, Mm -hmm. like, she is a literature professor, and, like, her specialty is Frankenstein. And what's her POV on this shit? I mean, I've never met her to, like, talk to her about this, but from what Tom's dad has told me, it's that it's romantic and very sexualized, and I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. No. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't. No. The, I don't the sexiest part of this book was the relationship between Victor and Henry. <laughs> and I think that's where the sexuality comes in. And that's where but I, I don't think, think that part was intentional. Like, no, I don't I, think that was intentional. I don't think that was intentional of Mary Shelley. But I do think there is an underlining sexual relationship there. She doesn't even get. Because I think she's mirroring relationships she's seeing, not mm. knowing that those men were gay. Bottom line. Well, they might not have been gay. I mean, I don't you think know. They're My flamboyant for the time. I don't know. They're artists, so you know, artists are all a little flamboyant, and weird. You heard yeah. it here first, gang. <laughs> but I mean, I think about the relationship that my husband has with his best friend. Okay, right. the first time that I met his best friend was the day before our wedding. Okay, um, because we lived in Texas and his best friend was stationed in Virginia, and so I had never actually gotten a chance to meet him until the day before our wedding. And he told me, "Never forget that I went on a date with your husband first <laughs> which is a really fun story. Actually, probably not. Probably not for now, but yeah, it was, they, they inadvertently ended up on a date. It was an accident. Um, It was Valentine's Day. It was the day that Tom uh, reported to the ship and his friend asked him to go to dinner. He was just like trying to take the little third under his wing. Yeah. um, They ended up in Key West on the side of the main street in Key West that is all LGBTQ restaurants and things. And uh, the restaurant was called. Crabby dicks and the slogan was a crabby dick is better than no dick at all. Um, And uh, it was Valentine's day. (laughs) So he likes to remind me that he went on a date with my husband first and their relationship. They are very, very, very close. Are they having an intimate relationship? Absolutely not. Like it's not like they're in a relationship like that. But would you compare them to Victor and his bestie? If Tom were absolutely bedridden and had no one else to take care of him, I absolutely think that his friend would be there and caring for him and, and love him because they do love each other. I don't understand why, like as women, when we do that, it's not gay, but it is when men do it. Like, it's definitely sexualized, but why though? Why can't you just love people and, and, and not want to sleep with them? Like you can love them and be platonic and want to sleep with them. I mean, that's 
feasible as well. There are I people out there that want to fuck I don't think things. either of them want to sleep with the other one. Like, I don't think that's true. Anyway. <laughs> that's it for Frankenstein. Yeah. So next, next week. week um, I was going to show Mexican Gothic, but Beth stole it to read it. So next um, week. I don't have a copy of it because I'm listening to the audio book. Um, this for book it, but- is weird, gang, and I love it. <sighs> Go ahead and do it. I think it fits more into our spooky season. Uh, Yes. It's definitely more of what I think of when I think of scary books. I'm listening to the audiobook for it, um, and I'm not happy with the narrator, and and that's my biggest complaint. Uh, The the narrator did bug, too. I feel... She was I have feelings on it, and we'll save those for next week, but yes. I have a lot of feelings on the narrator. Um, but yeah, so next week, um, and oh, uh, if you are not already following us on social media, please do. Um, posting, uh, well, we have already posted the uh, list of books that's coming up for this month, right. and it's pinned at the top of the page. Um, so we're going to keep doing that so that people can keep up with reading. I know we do have quite a few fans who are reading along with us, and we appreciate that. And, and hey, if you're a few episodes behind because you're reading that's with okay. us, like, that's okay. Like, we are recording these ahead of time, and we're reading at our own pace, too. So we appreciate that. Um, you know, read it whatever pace you need to. Just come back to us. Right. So, we're here. Yeah. It's not like we're not going anywhere. No, Molly has not. no we're life. Here. So she's always here. Until <laughs> <laughs> so I have a spinal surgery. Then it'll be spinal surgery and yeah. then back to no life. Yeah. <laughs> That's not true, Molly. You have a lot going on. You're homeschooling your girls, and you're with them, like, all the time. Like, that's Work. a lot. I What did I see the other day? Uh, it was a meme that said, if you're not irritated or mad at your kids, you're not spending enough time with them. Facts. Facts. <laughs> Absolutely. So, anyway, uh, Molly, I love you. I love you. Um, we'll check you guys next time. Thanks yeah. for tuning in. Bye! Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are those of Molly and April and not those of anyone else. Today's book was Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. Editing by Thomas Watkins. The music is Halloween Pumpkin from PurpleTacPlanet.com. Don't forget to follow the book besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the book besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.